Welcome to The Morning Crew, a grief podcast hosted by three gals in their mid-20s. Here, talking about grief is completely normal and a part of our everyday life. So grab a cup of coffee or a drink. Grief conversations can actually be that casual. So let's talk about it. Welcome back, everybody. Um, We are another week with a special guest ahead. But before we dive in, does anyone have any updates that they wanted to share from the past week or the weekend? I don't have anything exciting update-wise, but I thought um, I was reading the – I know in a couple episodes ago we talked about um, the daily affirmations from the funeral site for my friend. Um, And so I got one today and I thought it might be kind of nice to open just by reading them if we don't really have anything crazy to update on. But I also thought this one was – it was kind of sweet. I read it at work today and it made me think of you guys. So um, today it was called – it's been day 40 of getting these, which means it's about day 40 since all that happened, which is kind of crazy to think about that it's been that long. Um, But – and I don't have any updates on that front either, unfortunately. But um, I just – it says – I have always loved the Greek myth of the three fates who spin the threads of our lives. As we grow older, those threads become woven together with those of others until we have the fabric of relationships. When someone dies, there's a tear in the fabric and it is up to us to reweave the strands to strengthen the fabric again. How do we do this? By honoring the memory of your loved one, nurturing those memories by writing them down in your journal is one way, creating a scrapbook of photos and journal entries could be another, painting, drawing, however you express the memories best. The fabric of your life will be stronger for the effort. It does not say a podcast, but I do find that it is. Uh, it was kind of our way of how we've kind of tied tied our stories together, and you know, it's thought that was kind of cool to share, especially since we were recording today. And it's you know, the universe sent me this one today on the day we were recording, and it was exciting. So that was a nice one that we got today. That's so cute. I love that. I love that quote. It was very positive. Yeah, and I love that you get them in these emails, and it's just kind of a daily way to incorporate it. And again, with like the normalizing theme and just a way to acknowledge it, I still think it's cool that they send them out anyway. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I thought of quickly, one update is that Kathy and I are going to see each other in real life on Thursday. I'm going to LA to visit some friends. So we're going to get lunch, I think, somewhere. You guys have to stop hanging out without me. (laughs) I I know. know. I'm so sorry. The whole middle of the U.S. is really getting in our way. It's okay. Kathy's watching One Tree Hill now. So I think when she gets wrapped in, I'll be able to convince her to come visit. And then you'll have to come along too. A hundred percent. I was also One Tree Hill fan and would love to come to North Carolina anyway. I'm already obsessed. And the summer I turned pretty. Can you give that update, Matt? Oh, you're so right. Oh my gosh. I how did I? How could I forget? Um, not you know grief wise, but I was just going through the store the other day by my office, and I was in the line to get my medicine, and my coworker was down there with me, and she starts like yelling at me, and she was like, "Maddie, get over here!" And I was like, "What is going on?" So I get out of the pharmacy line, and she's like, "Jeremiah from the summer I turned pretty is over there," and I was like, "You're lying!" And I was like, "Are you sure it's him?" So I kind of like go find him because I'm like, "Okay, whatever," and I see him, and we make eye contact, and he's on the phone, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to talk to this person," and so he's like on the phone doing his thing and I'm kind of creeping on him from from a distance and as you do um and then he gets off the phone and I go up to him and I'm like hey I'm really sorry to bother you but like I work next door we were over here grabbing like some things like can we can I get a quick picture and he was like yeah of course he was super nice he like put down all of his stuff and we took our photo and I was like okay my dad has always taught me when you meet someone famous or do something you have to like be memorable so it's like what am I gonna say of course so as you all know me. So we're sitting there and I'm like talking to him and I'm like, yeah, like we really love the first season. Like, and he's like, yeah, like we're really excited to be back into town, like shooting season two. And I was like, yeah, my favorite part of the first season was the amount of Taylor Swift. So if you're taking notes, I would just like keep that up for season two. And he was like, oh yeah, I'll go up to the higher ups at like Amazon Prime and let them know to keep the Taylor Swift going. And I was like, thanks Gavin, bye. And then I ran away and I posted the picture on my Instagram story. And now I am on the Summer I Turned Pretty fan pages from like Brazil and like all these countries if you go look at his tagged pictures on Instagram there's like four different pick times that that picture is posted which is <laughs> hilarious um and that I literally just ran down to grab some snacks and the summer I turned pretty I saw I saw him so and he was he was beautiful in real life so team Jeremiah <laughs> 
Wow. I love that encounter and that story and just finding a way to be memorable and all of that so much and that he's nice. And it's just another plug to come to North Carolina because you might just run into Jeremiah or Conrad, apparently. The best part was it was up for like two minutes before Kathy screenshotted it and sent it in the group chat and was like, oh my God. I was freaking out. I mean, yeah. it's only like the biggest show of like for our generation right now. You just happen to run into him of course. while running an errand. Well, I go back up to like the office. Everyone's like, who is that kid? And I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everyone who needs to know knows. If you get it, you get if it. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Okay, but sorry, I know that's not a super relevant update, but I did need you to talk about that. I don't know how I could have forgotten. That I will be bringing it yes. up in every conversation from now on, and I don't know how I can start with that. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, segueing into today's um, special guest, we have Mads best friend Shannon who is joining us for the podcast we are really excited um so I'll kind of hand over the floor to Mads if you want to talk about who Shannon is to you and then pass it off to Shannon to kind of give her background and her grief story and why she's here today yeah absolutely so if you listen to a lot of the podcast I have referred to Shannon in the past she has been my best friend for about 15 years um, one interesting thing about us is that we are 10 years apart and so she's been my best friend but also like a really older sister to me um, and I actually met her because she was working with my mom at um, through a nonprofit and my mom was like this person is someone I want in my kids lives and kind of introduced us and we became inseparable um, and so she was, Uh, around a lot when I was younger, but then as I've become transitioned into an adult, our relationship has also transitioned from like, you know, like watching Camp Rock and like, like maybe like braiding (laughs) hair to like being like adults who like go through things together and kind of walk through, through life together. Um, One thing I have found interesting, which I know I've touched on um, in, on the podcast before is that Shannon, um, and she'll talk a little bit more about that, but Shannon lost her father at a younger age and I was at when I'm how old was I when I met you would you say I had to, like I was in middle school yeah like early middle school like sixth grade and I had no whenever 2007 was for us or us journalism kids who is who have had a glass of wine or whatever um and so it was kind of something that like whenever you're younger you don't really see those people who you know or you don't even think that like your your cool older friends have like deal with stuff or like go through stuff the same way um and it was something that I've said this exact sentence on this podcast before that I didn't even realize until I went through it myself that there was things like I didn't know and like I mean Shannon knows every boy I've like talked to ever and like everything that every class I took and all this stuff but I've never we've never had these conversations um which is interesting and things that like I we were so when we were talking about it I kind of told her about the podcast and I was like I was thinking about this and we've been talking about it um and it's interesting how you know we've had all these these um this connection for so long and we know so much about each other and we've gone to Coachella and all of the things, but like, we haven't, like, I don't, I've never asked and I'm, we've never had these conversations because I was just like the, the little kid. And I was like, well, I'm not going to, but like, I've, I never brought it up and I didn't know. Um, and so there's like ties there between like my first car was the, her first car that her dad paid for, like bought her for, like, we have a lot of ties like that, but we've just never had conversations about it. So um, she's in town this week and we are working remote together and going on adventures. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to not only share the podcast with someone else, someone very dear to me, but also um, maybe open the floor to some of those conversations and introduce her to you guys and kind of bring the whole thing together. Um, so that's my Shannon. And uh, I will let her introduce herself a little bit and kind of give her background as to what she's doing, who she is and what's going on there. So Shan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm, I just, I am so impressed and just thankful that you guys have opened this space to talk about these things. I think so often, like we just gloss over them or don't really dive in. And so I just think it's really amazing that three awesome ladies are doing this and hopefully, um, you know, kind of starting more honest conversations and really diving into these things that affect everyone. Like no one's going to get out of life without a story. Um, and so I just want to start with that appreciation and acknowledgement. Um, and Mads, oh my gosh, like we have known each other for a thousand years. Uh, Mads mom was my first boss out of college. So, um, that's how far, far back we go. And so, um, yeah, I actually was thinking about what you were saying, Mad, and 
um, I remember last year when I came to Wilmington to visit, um, we did talk a little bit. You did ask me, we were at the fondue place and we <laughs> talked about, I remember this. So we're kind of coming full circle. Um, but yeah, my story is that I lost my dad when I was 16. Um, should I like tell the whole story? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Into, um, dive into it. Whatever yeah, you want to share. Yeah. So, um, so my dad died of glioblastoma, which is a type of brain cancer, and it was it was a tough one. Um, and basically, when I was 15, it was like right before I started, I guess, my sophomore year of college, he was having kind of all these issues, um, like headaches, just kind of like not being himself. We had gone on like a family trip to Cancun, um, the four of us, and he was just kind of off. And I remember on the trip just being like really pissed at him. Like he was just, just like not getting in the pool with us and not engaging. And it was just kind of odd and just things like he would stand with like the water running and we were like, what is, what is going on? Like what's happening here? So he got these like really bad, he was, he had this like horrible headache, like was in bed, which was like, not like my dad at all. And my mom took him to the hospital cause it was that bad. And I think one of the things that kind of sticks out for me is that my mom really kind of shielded us, I think, from that. So my brother is younger. So he was, I was 15 at the time. So he would have been 10. Um, so really young. Um, and essentially, like once he went to the hospital, it was very, very quick where they found that he had um, this form of cancer. And it was basically like almost three quarters of his brain was was taken up by it. And essentially what ended up happening is the pressure in his brain was so great that they had to do like this emergency surgery and they ended up removing like a quarter of his brain and he lived and he went through chemotherapy and radiation. But when you remove, you know, a significant portion of someone's brain, they are not the same after that. And so it was this really, um, I think it was a pretty cruel part of the whole thing where like, I never got to, to talk to him. I never got to like, have him in sort of this state of where he and I could have a conversation because that all happened so quickly. And so um, he came home, like was going through all this, but like, again, not, not the same. He had kind of some mobility issues um, and they kind of said, you know, we don't know how long he'll have, but this is a pretty, you know, aggressive, nasty form of cancer. And so he died um, 13 months later, which they, the doctors and folks never imagined that he would live that long. Um, and in fact, he had gone into hospice and he was one of the people who had been in this hospice for the longest amount of time. So we spent a lot of time, probably, I don't know, six, seven months um, in hospice at a hospice home, which was an amazing place in St. Louis. I can't say enough amazing things about those folks. But um, so he died 13 months later. Um, so he actually died right after 9-11. He died on September 17th, 2001, um, which was a really scary time for everyone, I think, um, if you remember anything about that time. Um, and so it was kind of weird to have kind of this like worldwide grief and national grief going on at the same time of having this kind of like personal grief. And especially as like a 16 year old, I didn't really know how to process that or what to do with it. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of the, the beginning of everything, I guess. Well, first and foremost, thank you for sharing your whole story. I know it's, it's definitely tough, I think, witnessing somebody's, like, I guess, going through health issues at the time of their passing. Um, not to say that one grief is worse than another, but I I mean, I think um, all of us can kind of uh, su- support that idea or that notion that, like, watching someone go through such health issues and then also your relationship change instantly um, can be really tough. And I know, like, I myself went through something similar to that. So just thank you for sharing, because I know that that's super vulnerable. Um, and had just some more surface level questions yeah. before we dive into it. Sure. But where, uh, what was your kind of family dynamic? Like, do you have any siblings? Um, and has your, is your mom remarried or dating anybody? And what's kind of been like, if you've seen any shift in the family dynamics since that has happened. Oh yeah. So, um, I have a younger brother. He's five years younger. Uh, we could not be more different, but Ian, (laughs) Ian is my brother. He has a heart of gold and he's wonderful. 
Um, but he, like, for example, I live in a pretty urban part of St. Louis. He lives as far out as he possibly can. So like, we're like city mouse, country mouse kind of thing. Um, but we actually share a lot of similarities. And, um, so, so Ian was always, he was very much like my little brother at that time. Um, he was 10, he was sweet kid, like that kind of thing. And, and I was, you know, in high school doing all kinds of cool high schooler things. So, (laughs) um, and my mom, um, my mom did remarry, um, actually only a couple years later. And so we ended up in a big blended family where there were six kids. My stepdad had four kids. Um, so there were a lot of us and that could be a whole other podcast, quite frankly. Um, my mom and stepdad are no longer married, Um, and so my mom, you know, has been on her own for, for quite some time. Um, and she is dating someone now, which I'm so grateful for. And I think, um, it's a good thing. It's pretty new, but, um, my mom kind of like dating around was not, not something that was necessarily the case because she did kind of, um, meet my stepdad fairly quickly. And then, and then they married. So they married in 2003, actually. So my dad passed away when I was a junior in, yeah, in 2001, and they got married in 2003. So the family dynamic is is an interesting thing because it's it like kind of at its core, it's been my mom, my brother, and me, um, but I've lived all over and, and only until about the last year have I lived in the same place as them. So um, it's definitely, you know, always been a work in progress over the last, you know, 21 years now, I guess. <laughs> I'm also interested. So did you say you're from St. Louis? Mm-hmm. Did I miss you? Yeah, that? that's right. Okay. Okay, so you did you move back there yeah. recently yeah. from somewhere else? So I guess um, a question that I had is, do you think moving home has any sort of like triggers or memories kind of like surfacing for you when you decided to move back or any time that you went to go visit home? That's a really good question. I don't, I don't think so. I think um, if you've ever met anybody from St. Louis, we're a proud people. We love <laughs> St. Louis. <laughs> Um, we love our sports teams. We love our pizza. We we love our town. And so, um, I, I went to college at, at Mizzou, which is only two hours away. So I, I was back and forth to St. Louis a lot. It was always kind of a character in my story, if you will. And so, um, you know, moving back there, there wasn't anything really about it that I felt would be, um, you know, a trigger, like you said. So, but that's a really good question, actually. I never really thought about that. Yeah. I mean, I only bring it up because I mean, for me personally, I didn't realize it consciously and it wasn't until I was in therapy that it was kind of, we discovered together, I feel like my therapist and I, and more so me, um, that being in my childhood home, like when I moved back during the pandemic, was bringing up some of those feelings or any time that I was going home, Mm -hmm. especially like, and I've talked about it here, like we still had furniture that my dad like passed away on. And so that was like, I think again, like not consciously, I wasn't ever thinking of like, oh, that's the couch, you know, every time I was walking in the house. But I think um, that I think subconsciously it was triggering me in certain times. Um, And then definitely just like my childhood bedroom and like, having a bunch of things there, like truly home home. Um, I've never really left LA except for study abroad. So I can't say that moving like to another city and then coming back that LA per se is triggering. But I just know that the physical location has been like, in some ways that I didn't even notice or was aware of, it was kind of triggering and bringing up things um, and kind of affecting my mental health. What I will say that now that you're saying those things, so my, so because my mom remarried we actually moved out of our home fairly quickly Mm. and so that actually was the cause of a lot of stress and anger on my part because not that I didn't think my mom should remarry um because in many ways she was grieving her husband for a year before he actually died like he you know was just not the same yeah. person you know so there there were there's levels to this and there was a whole family dynamic with my dad's side of the family that um was also very complicated and complex um and so i didn't have those physical places or like that sense of home and quite honestly i was pissed at my mom for a really long time probably up until the last few years 
um, and working with a therapist and all those good things. Um, you know, I was go, I went off to college. I was having a great time, like that kind of thing, but I never felt like I had like a home, like my home to go back to. Cause we were sort of in the, this, you know, blended family situation and they built a new house for all of us and they wanted us to kind of be the Brady bunch and all that kind of stuff. So I could imagine if I were going back to like where I grew up and where, I had great memories with my dad and that kind of thing. I would, I would feel that way. Um, so that's, that's a really interesting perspective. I appreciate that. Um, it's a, uh, well, first I just want to say thank you for sharing. This is what I'm saying. It's crazy. Like I stood next to this woman as we got married and we've never, as she got married. Well, we kind of got married as well. Kind of, she's, yeah. she's the third in our marriage yeah. where we, uh, we yeah. had a package. Deal. Is there a secret that we didn't know? <laughs> no, I mean, if, if, if my, my goal in life is when we're like old enough to retire, I'll move into a house with her and her husband yeah. and like the dogs and just, yeah. yeah like, I mean, we'll go on vacation and just incredible. stay in one hotel room. It's incredible. Yeah. So we did kind of get married. Package deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a package deal. Um, but it's interesting because, um, she was saying in, in her, um, dad passed away on September 17th and Papa passed away on September 14th. And it's just mm-hmm. like things like I didn't, we just, yeah. we very kind of on, and around the same the same mm-hmm. kind of like time, um, and so I've got a couple of different questions and things like I could we could throw out there. Um, but one thing I said I wanted to say is that um, Kathy, I noticed that you when you asked about the the scenery and the, the setting, um, I noticed that when I went back into Grandma and Papa's house for the first time, like I couldn't go past his office, and like I went into it, like I passed his office, and I just like that was my breakdown. It wasn't like pulling up or taking out the trash or doing any of this stuff until I was like in his office. Um, so I know we've kind of touched on that before, but like I super know those triggers, Kath. Um, and Shan, do you think that, so you were in high school and this was all happening in, I know like St. Louis is like a big place, but did you think it was like a big deal or that people were like, you were like, did people at school know that this was happening? Or were you like, kind of like that? I remember when things would happen in my high school, it was like, if some, if something like this was happening to someone, we all knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you have that and growing up in, I mean, you grew up in an age that didn't like have like social media, like we all had. So true, yeah. how, how did that kind of process go whenever you, you yeah. were dealing with that? I was actually, I was thinking about that knowing we were going to have this conversation. And one of the things that um, that happened is my dad got sick right before the beginning of the school year. And I was starting like yearbook and I was super excited about it and all these things and just kind of threw myself into that and like student council and just like school. Like I always really enjoyed school. Like I liked it. I had things that I cared about. I had friends like high school, you know, was, you know, the strife that everyone goes through. But, you know, I I generally enjoyed it and had things that I kind of could toss myself into. And that's really what I did. And I, working with a therapist again in my 30s, like really had to unpack, I think, some guilt that I felt about doing that. And like, in some ways, like not being fully present or like not allowing myself to be fully present. Like I had my first boyfriend and I was in love and like all these things were happening all at the same time is this, this horrible thing with, with my dad. Um, and so in my sophomore year, I got invited to go to something called Missouri Scholars Academy, which is something, you know, it's invitation only. It's a big deal. It's like a month away from home. Like you go down to the University of Missouri, which is where I ended up going to school anyway. Um, and you're just with other, you know, high school kids, you know, who were, um, you know, invited to go and it's, it's this amazing experience and on and on. And so I was selected from my school and I had to go down to my guidance counselor who I had met like twice, right? Like I didn't really (laughs) see my guidance counselor a whole lot, um, and tell her I couldn't go. And I really kind of like pleaded with her. I said, you know, I don't want everyone and their dog to know this is happening. Like, I don't want to be known as that girl whose dad has cancer or whatever. Um, And I just didn't want it to like, school was sort of a safe space, right? Like I didn't have to think about it. I could kind of just be, be part of, you know, that community, be in my activities, that kind of thing. And then lo and behold, like the next week, like every single one of my teachers like pulled me aside and like had, you know, awkward things to say to me about like, you know, my dad being sick. And, you know, the only person who, you know, I... I think on some level wanted to know was my, my journalism teacher who I is the best teacher I've ever had, who is somebody I adore and admire. Um, and he was really the only one who was like, we don't have to get into it. Let me know what you need. Like I'm here. Um, he lost his brother, um, you know, and kind of, I think was a, a little bit um, understanding of kind of not wanting to 
to have that be the thing that you're known by. Um, and so I just appreciated that. But yeah, it ended up being a lot of me like kind of managing my teacher's feelings about the whole thing and like telling them, like making sure that, you know, they were okay as they were having this like awkward conversation. And they all meant well, obviously. So, you know, there was a time where it did cross into, you know, folks knowing. Um, and I'm like, I'm still kind of like surprised that that happened, but I guess I shouldn't have been. But um, I did try really hard to kind of just have it fly under the radar as much as I could. And my close friends knew, like my best friend growing up, we're still best friends to this day. I mean, she knew obviously. Um, and there was a handful of, of closer friends that knew, but like, it wasn't something that I, you know, was broadcasting out there or anything like that. Um, that's definitely such a good point that with no social media or nothing like that, that it is that word of mouth. And I definitely relate to the whole, you're managing other people as you're keeping them updated that is super relatable. Um, but yeah, you, you're starting to touch on it, but I was going to ask who then were you opening up to about it at the time and kind of how has that person changed over time? If, you know, when you met Mads, she was somebody who was younger or almost like a kid. So of course that would not be the person you're confiding in. Um, but, uh, and you're married now, it sounds like. So just curious, like how that, like who you're confiding in has shifted over the course of your life since this happened to you in high school? That's a good question. Um, I think in high school, as it was all happening, you know, like I said, I had a boyfriend, he was sort of my, you know, first serious boyfriend, that kind of thing. We dated for actually a pretty long time, like into college. Um, and so like, I think I would tell him stuff and just kind of, um, you know, he was like, he was older than I was. And so for his senior prom, you know, we went to the hospice where my dad was because he wasn't going to live to see me. And that was like a very sweet gesture of him to like agree to do that. Um, so, you know, I think he he was somebody that, you know, knew what was going on and kind of saw, you know, things um, just kind of being around and, and being at my house and stuff like that. And his family was always very kind to me. Um, you know, I don't know, though, like when you ask who I confided in, like, I don't know, because I think in a lot of ways, I held myself back from like, there was something in my like 15, 16 year old brain that was like, this is too much for you. Like you, you can't fully experience this now. Um, <laughs> there's time to unpack this later. But right now, you're going to be like a huge journalism dork and like spend all your time at your book and newspaper and that kind of thing. And and I think in a lot of ways, that was just my brain insulating me. And so like the things I had to confide, um, I, don't, I don't even know if I would say confide, like I think the folks closest to me knew what was going on. And so I think they were kind of like, you know, if something was going on or something, you know, went sideways, or there was a particularly hard day, um, you know, I would talk about it, but I, you know, confide, like, I don't think my 15 or 16 year old self was capable of it on that if that makes sense on that same note like how do you remember how either how Ian was kind of going through it or how you was like a big sibling like did you feel like you had some kind of like pull that like you're like I can't really understand this or process this myself but like this is my 10 year old brother like I've got to like mm -hmm. do you have that kind of like older sister thing that you felt like you had to help him figure it out I you know and I that's something that I've I've felt a lot of guilt about because I don't know that I was fully there for him um I don't know how I could have been honestly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that he could have even known, like, what were we supposed to do? Like, we, we didn't know what to ask for. We didn't know, you know, what was going on. And, you know, thank God we had, you know, my aunt and my uncle and my grandma around who like really always took care of us. They were always, you know, there for us even before this, but, you know, my aunt would pick us up from places and, and take us to do things. And it was just, has always been, and is still, a really important presence in our lives. And, you know, I, I don't know. And I, I've, I haven't even really talked about this with my brother. Like we've kind of gotten into a couple of things. Like he, he is just like, he's just who he is. Like he's very stubborn about certain things. He's got a heart of gold, but I think, you know, losing your dad at a very young age. Um, I think he didn't really have like that father figure to look up to and I think that that's affected, not not necessarily in a bad way, but it's definitely um, influenced how he looks at the world and, and approaches things and stuff like that. And so 
I do feel bad because I, I, I am a protective older sister. I, I have that. Oh, you know, I know it. That bone. I'm very much the older sibling. And um, I don't know that I was there, but I, I don't know that I was capable of it. I don't, I don't like, I didn't even have the, the scaffolding or vocabulary to know like what that was or what that would have meant. Yeah. And I think that that's a very honest thing to say is that even if you are, you know, that older sibling or you're a parent of the child, like, um, for me, it would be like my mom, like there's, there's no manual or thing to tell or like thing to tell you exactly what to do or what to say. Um, so I think that's very open and honest of you to say, like, I didn't know. And also you're going through your own grief. And so that in itself is a whole journey that you're processing and how hard must it be to then also be protective and kind of therefore and out of concern for your little brother, like being able to be there for him in that supportive role, but then you're going through such an emotional journey yourself. Um, And I did want to say I relate so hard to the processing it later when you were at the age that you were. Um, I think I for sure went through that and I fully dove into school and it served as a distraction. And I also was in student council at the time. Like I literally... I remember at the time, shooted for the stars and became middle school class president. I was like the highest I could possibly do (laughs) to distract myself. I will uh, try to achieve. And and so I did. And I was like, thank goodness, I have something else to keep my mind off of it. Um, So I really like threw myself into school and being involved and doing all these things. Um, And there's, I remember, I think just kind of like, I basically pushed it down a little bit. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. something that you could relate to, but I do have a very vivid moment of it kind of all coming to a head in years later on. Have you had any of those kind of, did you have a moment like that where it kind of just like took you by surprise and you were like, whoa, this is grief and it's hitting me now, even though I've tried to like kind of distract myself or where was it like you were kind of inching at every bit kind of getting through it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think obviously when it was going on and after it happened, um, you know, I I knew it was, you know, it was like the before and after, right? Like this was going to be this like defining thing that I would carry with me forever. Like no, there's no no way around it, right? Like I, I knew that as a 16, I knew it when he got the diagnosis, like I, it was like, yes, this is the before and after, like, this is the thing, this is the break. And so, um, you know, I'm sure there's been moments. I think, I think for me, it was maybe more of like kind of a leaky faucet of certain things. So like sometimes the drip is more sustained Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's a little quieter. Um, you know, talk about journalism and, and this one teacher that I mentioned, you know, we, um, wrote these like, had kind of like a whole unit around like writing personal essays and things. And um, I wrote one about going to Cardinals opening day with my dad. That was something we did all the time. And it ended up getting like published in a book that was like a chicken soup for the teenage soul kind of knockoff. Um, It wasn't that it wasn't the big time, but it was, it was like that. Um, And so I remember just there being, you know, I had to get up and read it in front of like all of my, you know, like fellow classmates and and parents and teachers and things. And, um, you know, that was definitely, I think, a point where I understood, you know, grief and kind of the processing of it and stuff like that. I'll say the other thing that kind of, you know, just different things like in college, like I always thought like, oh man, my dad would like love being, you know, tailgating or, you know, bopping around campus and coming to visit, you know, Columbia and just such a fun, cool college town. Um, you know, he would have loved it and just would have loved like, you know, buy me beer on my 21st birthday or whatever, you know, like he would have loved all that stuff. Um, you know, a big, big trigger for me, you kind of go through the season of life where you go to like a million weddings. Right. And I always have to leave the room for the father daughter dance. It's only been in the last like couple of years that, um, and it kind of depends on who it is too. Um, like even just a couple weeks ago, my, my sister-in-law got married and, um, my father-in-law and my sister-in-law were doing their dance and my sweet angel of a husband, Josh, he, he was like, you want to go? And I was like, no, this is, this is fine. Like, this is okay. Um, but he know he knows to, you know, 
remove me from the premises um, during that kind of thing. So it's like those moments, it's different things. It's, it's anniversaries, it's birthdays, it's holiday, you know, it's stuff like that. Christmas is kind of a big thing for me, but I would say that there wasn't one big kind of like, well, this is grief. It's just, it's been kind of in all those like smaller, more normal moments that you're like, oh man, like there's a big hole here. It's funny that you talk about the guilt and the jealousy and the weddings and all of that because we've had episodes on those individual topics and like we fully – and I think I thought about you when you said that because we went to a wedding together in December and it's a very dear friend of ours and we sat next to each other and she stayed in the room for it and it, it teared up and it had been crying and that is kind of what the whole point of me wanting to have these conversations are because like I've never seen her like that and I've never – we've never been those people. I've never, I've never been there because I was always the kid. Um, and I talk a lot about the guilt and jealousy and things that like Papa knows Nate, knew Nathan and I, and they'll never know my partner. Um, but you mentioned our sweet King Josh and I want to know, uh, do you remember when you guys were dating? This is something else we've talked about a lot, but when you brought it up or when you told him about it or if how he kind of got to know your dad through you and how long it took you to, to, I don't know how much, like, how long it took you to kind of have those conversations is something that we talk about. And if you've had like these conversations yeah. even or so, or so forth. Yeah. Um, I'm so our first date lasted like a really long time. Um, and I'm pretty sure I like told him all about my dad on our first date, which I don't know <laughs> if that's like a smooth move, but whatever it, it happened. We were 20. Like, what are you going to do? Um, but that, we had one of those like first dates where you talk about everything and nothing and it just goes on and on and on. And, um, you know, we moved locations multiple times, like that kind of thing. So I think from very early on, he knew that that was, was part of my story. Um, I think he has come to know my dad, like, oh my gosh, I'll, I have to say this because, so my dad's name was Steve and where he worked, there were like 23 other dudes named Steve. Right. So like when my mom was pregnant with my brother, I remember they were like trying to think of names and they were going to do like the whole like Steve and junior kind of thing. And I remember my dad came home from work and he was like, we do not need another Steve in the world. Um, but the funny thing was, is everyone called him Burke. Everyone, my mom, everyone, everyone called him Burke. That's our last name. And I like froze dead in my tracks because Josh once called me Burke. And I was like, why, why did you do that? And he goes, oh, well, like my dad would always call my mom Smith, which is her maiden name. Um, and so I just called you Burke. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, that's what everyone called my dad. Like people, people knew him. Like our neighbors didn't know what his real name was. Like they just knew him as Burke. And so I, I think, you know, kind of talking about these invisible strings, if you will, like that was, that was one um, with Josh that that was just something that was kind of, um, you know, a little bit of a sign, but I, you know, he, I think in a lot of ways, like I'll say, like my dad would say, like, my dad was really funny. Like he would say like really just ridiculous things and just was like a fun loving kind of, he was like a wild man. Like he has the past, <laughs> like all these things, like my mom's told some stories and like, he was, my mom was his fourth wife. Like he, he lived, man. Like he went AWOL for the military. Like he lived a life. Like, um, and so, you know, he would say things like, cold enough to freeze the balls off a brass monkey you guys can edit that out if you want, just like funny stuff like just ridiculous things that like no one says and so like it's in my brain and it comes out and and Josh would be like is that your dad and like yeah it is a hundred percent um so I think like you know some of those things and it's so funny because in many ways my brother is just like my dad like my brother was wiling out when he was like 18 19 and like just out there doing crazy stuff and my brother didn't know that part of my dad I mean we just knew him as our dad right and so the fact that my brother has even like he my brother has like motorcycles and boats and all these like toys and my dad was very much into that when he like before we came along um and the fact that my brother has that in him just as like this innate like pull um it's kind of funny because I'll point out different things over time and I'll be like oh yeah that's that's my dad um and so that's kind of you know, Josh has been really good in understanding and he'll ask questions. He'll, he, you know, I said, my dad would have given you, you know, such shit over, over the years and stuff. He's like, oh yeah, I know. I know you, you know? So I think in some ways, you know, that's all, that's part of our kind of relationship and back and forth, but um, he's so supportive and I don't even remember what the question was, but he's just wonderful and I can't say <laughs> enough nice things about him, but he, he knows, and he knows like anniversaries and birthdays and, and different things are just, you know, 
hard and and he gets it and he he kind of knows that once you know September rolls around it's just going to kind of be a crummy time um and he doesn't push he's just kind of there and will order pizza with me or you know do whatever and it's he's really understanding about it that's amazing and I love to hear that and I'm so happy for you because I can only envision in a marriage how much a loss like this Mm -hmm. will weigh. And I love that he'll be like, oh, is that your dad? Like that he's picked up on enough information Mm -hmm. and context clues that he feels comfortable enough to do that. Because I feel like there is the pod of support that is like the pizza, wipe my tears, Mm -hmm. like the sad moments, but just being able to insert in the happy moments, I think is really important too. Mm -hmm. Um, I have so many questions I could ask you, but there is one question I do because I think the dynamic between you and Mads is so cool, but I'm curious what your perspective was when Mads' grandpa's passed away. And if that was triggering for you, like one more than the other, how you felt like you needed to support Mads because we've talked about that although we've all gone through big loss and we do have a little bit different of a sense in supporting others it still doesn't always make it easy and in some ways it can be harder so I'm just curious how, what that experience was from your perspective that's a that's a good question I know you know I knew kind of leading up that he you know was sick and that how important their relationship was and um I think the tact I took was, and and this is, I think, been the case with with other folks that I've been close with who've dealt with with grief or a loss. That you know, I am always very mindful of. It's not it's not about me pushing my way to the front and being like, let me, I got you. Like we can, you know, let's get through this. It's really everyone has to be on their own journey. And so, knowing kind of the the numbness and the just swirl of everything that goes on when someone passes away and you kind of just have to process it and like even get your head around it. Like, I think I, I don't want to say take a step, took a step back. That's not what it was, but I knew that like there would be points in time where like I would be there and like, that's where she needed me, but like not, not right then. It's like, it's about family. It's about being, you know, with, with everyone who, who knew Papa Mac, you know, the, the, the best. And I was not, you know, on that list, I've met him and he's a lovely man, but, um, it, I, I think kind of, um, recognizing that it's grief, isn't something that, that starts and ends, right. It's like this ongoing, like, it just becomes like, <laughs> you know, like you're in the motorcycle of your life and it's always like kind of in the sidecar, right. Like it's just, you're always there, um, with it. And so there's always going to be those times that I felt like that's where I could be a better friend in those kind of like other moments when everyone kind of like packs, packs up and goes home and, and kind of goes back to normal life that, um, you know, processing that way is just as important, but like being there kind of like in the thick of it. Um, I think taking a step back is sort of how I approach it because I know that you don't even know what you want. And then having a ton of people around you going, what do you need? What can I do? How can I help? And it's like, it becomes about them instead of about the person that you're trying to support Um, And I think we had a, we have a close enough friendship to know that like, if there's any, if there's, you know, anything that like, I'm there in a heartbeat, but um, I think that's how I would kind of, how I approached it. 13 episodes, 12 or 13 episodes in and I finally cried on the podcast, everyone. (laughs) Um, I very vividly remember when you asked that question, Kels, like I remember um, when I found out I had called my other best friend who's it's funny both of our childhood best friends are named Michelle which is hilarious mm-hmm. because we could not be more similar but um, I called her because I knew she was in town and I was like can you I was like can you come over and she just dropped it and I remember like I texted her called Shannon and I was just like pop is gone like I didn't say anything um, and that's what she said is like showing up afterwards and after the fact is something that like I've learned from her and that I do and that's even like when we were talking about the tragedy that was happening in my cycling community like that's kind of you asked like how are you supporting what are you doing and I'm like I'm, I'm showing up as I can but like I know that like in a couple of months is when she's really going to need me um, and that's something that I that I've learned um, and it's interesting because the whole reason that we're having kind of this conversation with Shannon right now is because that whole experience was the first time that I had even I knew it's funny she mentioned the chicken soup for the soul knockoff book that was the first (laughs) time I knew that her father had passed away when she showed that to me um 
but I remember like I how old were you guys when that happened? We Sorry, like just that. for context. I mean, I would have been, you know, twenty two to twenty four. So I was like, right like out of college. So I was like twelve. <laughs> like 10 or 12 okay, yeah, okay. Um, and that was the first time I knew maybe I will share a photo of us from my middle oh school my days on the Instagram page can, no, yes the glow up is real yes. <laughs> um, I remember that um but it's funny because I remember shortly after realizing that and having to do the and you you won't know this about you won't even know that I have done this but um I have known that like as since I have dealt with grief, I it brought back to my life that you had also really dealt with grief at a young age and that I was not there for you, nor did I know how, nor did I have to, nor do you have to be there for everyone all the time, which is what you're teaching me in life now. But um, like I remember very vividly, like I like have scoured, I had like looked for your father's obituary and like looked for ways to like try to figure out anniversaries and like ways to support. And like I have like there was really no way to figure it out. Um, and I know you recently and I want to hear you talk on this if you're able. Um, we talked a bit. Kelsey just um, had her one-year anniversary without her mom. You Last September, you had 20 years without your dad. Um, and I remember we had that's kind of when I had been able to finally be like, oh, I have dates now. Like, I finally have dates. I couldn't find the obituaries when I wanted them, it but I have the dark dates. ages. It was, like, before the internet. Yeah, so it was really – but I remember, I remember feeling that way, and I was like, I want to support. And, like, I honestly didn't even know his name for a while just because, like, I was a kid. Like, I didn't yeah, know, no and I didn't – there's no reason I would until I went through it myself at – 19 whenever I was like oh shit my best friend in the entire world who I have go through everything with like she it's the first time I realized that it affects people besides that it affects people the way that I once I felt it I was like oh shit this is something that like is a is a real thing um so coming up last September um on your dad's 20 years was it something that you had in your mind was it something that snuck up on you was it something that you kind of knew did you have a plan to celebrate the day I know Kels had some plans with her sweet sister to celebrate the one year um how did you kind of go about approaching that last year if you're able yeah that's a good question I think you know one of the things and and the re I mentioned kind of the proximity to 9-11 the thing that's always kind of like bizarre for me is that, you know, kind of once September hits, you know, the History Channel documentaries start up and there's always like the commemoration, you know, like all these different things. And so, you know, we were watching that all happen in the halls of this hospice home, you know, and so it was just this, this odd kind of mix of chaos and sadness and tragedy and grief and, you know, what's the collective grief and what's the you know, personal grief and, and that kind of thing. And so um, I think I've always thought that that's added another layer. But one of the things like last year, especially because it was also the 20th anniversary of 9-11, is that that stuff started, you know, a month ahead of time. And so it was just this like kind of constant like drumbeat of uh, it's getting closer, it's happening, it's happening. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've, again, had to unpack in therapy and, and feel guilty about is that I don't have one way that I honor my dad, you know, in, in different, different years, you know, it comes at, I used to work in higher ed. So September was always kind of like a hectic time. And so it's like, you're running around and you're like, oh, it's the 17th, you know, and you kind of just pause for a moment. And in other years, it's, it's a little bit more like, I'm just gonna hang out and like lay on the couch because that's all I feel like I'm able to do. And that's okay too. And so I, I felt like I was putting maybe a lot of pressure on myself to do something like momentous. And I honestly, I don't even remember what we did. I just remember, you know, I, I posted about it on Instagram, which is not usually something I do. Um, and I wrote like a little thing and that was like cathartic because I think, I think one of the benefits of social media is that you can find obviously here like shared experiences and just by telling our own stories, we help others feel not so alone. And so I think maybe that was like the way I honored my dad is just to like share kind of like 20 years later and it still sucks and I'm crying now. And it's, it's something that it's, it's waves in the ocean, you know, it's the tides it, it's there and then it's not, and then it's there and then it's not. Um, and I think over the years, it it's that's what it is. It ebbs and flows, and some years it hits different, and other years it's a little easier. But it's there's not one way, and it's not a straight line. And so I think that's what those kind of anniversaries teach me. Um, 
But I think too, even like a year versus 20, it's still there. That, that hole is still there. It's just, you just think about it differently. You, you do different things. You, you know, you have more, um, like your structures are built up more to, to cope with it and handle it. And so I think the year that was the hardest for me was sort of like, I guess it would have been like the 16 year where it was like, oh, this is going to be like more time without my dad than I had with him. And that was, that was a killer. And I, I think I just kind of like laid in bed all day. Like I, you know, that was one of those. And that, that was really one that um, I felt like, you know, crossed some sort of Rubicon that I don't know that 20 did. <laughs> um, but that, that was an odd sort of realization. There are so many parallels um, that I could relate to on this end, especially your last one about um, the time, more time without your dad than with. I think I also felt like that was a shitty year for sure, Um, just because it almost felt like every year here on out, like, was going to be shitty, even though, like you said, it's ebbs and flows and some years are fine and some years... Mm -hmm. It's a little bit tougher. Um, And yes, I agree that the anniversaries definitely teach you that and the years teach you that. Um, But I definitely agree with that, that kind of marker of a year. Um, And something I also kind of wanted to ask about is, I know for me, as I've been reflecting, even through today's conversation, I feel like anger came up a lot more for me when I was younger. And I don't know if that's like something just with adolescence and kind of like your teenage years and things like that, if that's maybe more prevalent because we were young. Um, I know obviously anger exists with grief at any age, but for me, as I'm reflecting back, I feel like that was the dominant feeling at the time. And I'm curious if that was for you and if you've kind of seen that ebb and flow or if it's kind of subsided over the years. I know I'll say that I think it's um, subsided over the years, except when there are some of those milestones in life that I I get angry and sad on those days. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think anger was definitely a big part of it. Um, I mean, we were all like the angsty teenagers, right? Like every, like being a teenager is just angst uh, in in one way, shape or form and how that sort of manifests is different for everyone. But I I do think that that anger, um, the anger is still there. Like, I feel like I was robbed of a lot and I get angry when I see people who have dads that want to be in their lives and don't want anything to do with them. I get angry when I see people letting stupid shit quite honestly get in the way of those relationships um because I just want to shake them and say you know don't you know what you have um so that that's an anger point for me for sure I would say like as a teenager and maybe even into my 20s um I think the anger was really it like manifested in like I always wanted to like have the last word and, and do the, you know, be the, the, the voice that kind of carried over and, and that kind of thing. And I think, you know, you talked about kind of achieving and I think that that was where I channeled my anger and, you know, I could be pretty intense. Like I think a lot of people can. And so I think that that's definitely subsided. Um, I've, I've done a lot of work and tried to be really intentional about replacing kind of like the anger and sadness I feel with empathy for others Um, and kind of having that, like tying those things together in my mind has helped because I think, you know, if there's anything I can do to help someone, you know, going through this and just kind of extending like a, like I have a friend, this is awful. He lost both of his parents within nine weeks this year. And one was kind of expected, but the the first parent was not. And it was just awful. And I think he's still working through what that means. I mean, it was, it was pretty recent. And so, um, you know, I've texted him a few times to say like, I'm here. Like, I can't pretend to know what this is like, but I'm here. I've been through some version of this and, um, doing that, I think is channeling it in a better way because, 
I think another version of myself would have seen that and just been angry for him and kind of pissed at the world that that, you know, this great person in my life, this great friend that I've known, you know, since college is dealing with this just mega loss. I mean, truly, um, and what that would mean, you know, to kind of carry that anger around in myself on his behalf, you know, like that, that anger gets really destructive. And so I'm glad that I've learned to channel it in different ways, but anger was definitely like top of my mom and I got in some knockdown drag outs when I was a teenager. I mean, I like, I've said horrible things to my no mom, idea. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was anger. It was interesting that you said that you kind of would like carry those feelings like of anger around for, like your friend because I touched on it when we talked about um, my cycling community, but I found um, Kels asked me a really great question, which I thought was very um, – it was something that I had – it had been a week or so and no one had asked me. They'd been like, I know you're like a removed grief, but like how are you feeling about it? And I just feel to this day I carry around the anger mm-hmm. and the feelings for – my friend um, who lost her husband. And like I, I, I say when people ask me about it, I like I've been asked, I keep getting asked about it by, by random people, coworkers or friends. And I'm just like, they're just good people. And I just get so angry and I still get that way. Um, but kind of side note, backtracking a little bit. Um, I know that you had posted for your dad's 20th, as I had mentioned or asked about. Um, and I know that that is the first time that I have seen you post about him did you have some sort of like relief or like feel good of like sharing, like not to name our mutual friends, but like your friends you met in Columbia mm-hmm. and people who didn't know, because it's not necessarily something that's advertised for mm-hmm. you because it's happened so long ago. Did it feel like it was something to share? Or was it like those people, like did anybody reach out to you and was like, Oh, I didn't know. Or does it, is it kind of been, not that you've hidden it, but it's mm-hmm. just not necessarily the first thing yeah. that you share with someone. Um, it was cathartic, I think, just for me personally. And I had posted about my dad, you know, but not in such like kind way, of explicit yeah. terms that like he died and this sucks and this is terrible and this is how I feel about it. Like it was never anything like that. Um, just more like um, there's one picture I love of when my brother, he's like in his little like seat, like literally just home from the hospital. My dad's like tickling me and I'm like cracking up and my brother's just like this little peanut. He wasn't, he was 10 pounds, two ounces when he was born. So he wasn't little, but um, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's just this like sweet photo. And I think I've like shared that, but I mean, it's never been with kind of the, the context of everything. And so um, I don't think anybody like, was surprised. And I don't think anybody reached out to be like, Oh my God, I had no idea. Um, but even just like hearing from certain folks and, and getting messages and stuff saying like, you know, I don't know how you do it. It's like, you just do it. Cause you have to like, you know, what else are you going to do? Like you have, you have to continue. And so I think that's really what like the experience of that was, was just sort of, you know, fo- you can kind of tell when people reach out, like who's kind of dealt with a, a big loss or gone through some kind of grief. It doesn't have to be loss, right? Like grief can be over a lot of things, but specifically in this case, I think a, a loss like that, um, you can kind of tell who's, who's had that touch their lives and who hasn't. And, you know, it's kind of like this, you know, club that you can initiate <laughs> it into. And so that's more kind of how I felt about doing that, but it, it was nice to kind of post about him and and kind of feel feel the love as it were go ahead kathy say your line that you always say no hashtag dead dad's club yeah post, I imagine. yeah um yeah yeah um well it's all a club that we didn't ask to be a part of as we always say but we are in it together mm-hmm. and i think that that kind of not to be so cheesy, but makes the journey a little bit stronger and why we're here today talking about it and sharing our shared experiences. And hopefully now you have us three and a community of people who also will listen to your story and hopefully feel relatable or just want to learn from you as well. I think all in all, I think you'll find like the people who are members of this club are easier to talk to sometimes when you're going through these things. And so um, even like with Mads, I know after she went through loss, she was able to kind of look towards you and see you Mm -hmm. almost in a new light. And so I think that that's really an important kind of takeaway too, is just um, kind of seeing your friends in a new light after that 
sort of happens. Yeah. I, and I think, I think that's such a good point because, you know, the reality is we're all made up of these little slices, right. Of, of good and bad and sad and happy. And I think that anytime you, you know, see your friends in, you know, kind of the slice that you're not used to, right. Like kind of like the spinner on a game or something <laughs> like that. Like it just, it, it does help you kind of understand them in a different way. And I think, you know, one of the the things that I've really come to understand is that, you know, this is part of life and this is part of like our experience here and, you know, being able to talk about it and relate to others because of it and through it. I think it's just all part of the human experience. And I, like I said, I'm so glad that you guys are doing this because, you know, this is such a part of being a human and, and being in relationship with others. And like, how lucky are we to have experienced such love and people that we care so deeply about to feel so strongly and deeply um, to want to, you know, be on a podcast and talk about <laughs> these really awful things. I mean, that's, that's all part of it. And so I think, you know, when you can see your friends in that light, it just, gives you a more complete view of who that person is and, and deepens your love and admiration for them. And, you know, seeing someone go through it, like you, you see the same thing. So I think this is so important. And, and I think it's not, it's, it sucks and it is a bad thing, but it's not a bad thing. Like we should talk about these things as part of our experience. Completely agree. And that's so well said. I wanted to acknowledge that you are very you have a very good vocabulary at expressing all of the, the things and the concepts um, sometimes and maybe because it's newer for me. And, you know, we, we have talked about this, obviously, in a lot of episodes, but I feel like you're very well spoken in breaking down your experiences and your feelings and perspective. And maybe it's the journalism major in you also <laughs> in being in. a writer. We'll have to read this essay from the knockoff um, chicken noodle soul, whatever those books are called. Chicken oh my noodle God. soul is a way better. That's it. <laughs> well, and I think it. I think some of that too, like like we were saying earlier, is like sometimes you end up um, managing other people's feelings about your grief and your loss, and so having you know twenty one years of doing that in different places and spaces. Uh, unfortunately, it is sort of a language that you develop over time and you have kind of your answers, your go-to sort of answers, not in this setting, obviously, but, um, you know, it does come up and, and unfortunately you just get better at it over time. Unfortunately, I have started to experience that for sure too, because for, for me, it's like I had the practice. She battled cancer for 12 years. So I had the cancer dialogue down, but then once she passed, that's a different dialogue. And so I'm still in the first year of that dialogue. And of course, yeah, with like friends, family, closer people, it's different. It's in those kind of like random, awkward situations where it just kind of gets brought up and like how you address it and how you deal with it. But even in explaining your feelings and grief as a whole, I feel like you're very in touch with it. And I'm so glad that Matt's told you about it and brought you on. Um, I guess a final question, at least from me, is what was your reaction to hearing Mads doing this podcast? <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like crying. I'm such a proud she like, did. big sister. Um, I'm a crier. I, I called her. I she called her to talk to her about it. We had this, we were talking about everything like we do. I was walking my dog and she was like, I got to tell you something. I'm so nervous about it. And I, you know, I, and I was like, what could this be? Like, what? And it was this. And the funny thing is, is we've been joking about having a podcast <laughs> about stupid stuff. About not about enforcement, about it's, stupid yeah, stuff. Like called, Pete Davidson. Yeah. That's important. It's about That's things like time stuff. zones and like really time zones. Like, like who like, decided are, the time zones like, are time zones? You mean to tell me? <laughs> anyway, that, we've been joking about that. <laughs> and so she told me this. And the thing I've admired about Mads for so long is she's really you've never met a stranger like she is just this light in so many people's lives even if they're not like close people like she is just this ray of sunshine and has always been like she's brings people in um like you have this gravitational pull that's really incredible and um I've had the pleasure of seeing that over you know the last 8,000 years or however long. And the thing I've admired in the past few years, especially, is that 
you're using what you've gone through in life to help others and to be like a support and to offer empathy and to be an advocate. And I just think that that's so amazing. And so when she told me about this, it was like, well, of course that's happened. Like, of course that's what's going on. Um, and I just, I, I was so proud. I was bursting with pride and just so excited. And then, you know, she asked me to be on and it, you know, I was just so moved and touched and, um, this is why we're, we're friends. Exactly. Um, and I mentioned earlier, well, I had, we had driven, me and my sister had both driven Shannon's first car is my first car that her, um, dad had, had paid for and gotten, helped her get. And, uh, in that car, there was this little turtle and it's this little plastic turtle that she had, he had gotten a doctor's appointment and it had been in her car all through her high school, all through as she had that car. And then it was, she left it in there when we, when we had the car. And so we got rid of the car recently. Like it lasted a million years. Mazda protege. If you need a car, that's going to last. It drives like a tan Mazda protege. She crushed it. Um, (laughs) until, until the, till the, we ran the wheels off of her. Um, but now I carry that turtle in my car and we actually saw it when I picked her up and I was like, she was like, so you saw it. I was like, do you want it? And she's like, no, it's yours. And so it's kind of a sweet thing that like, I kind of have a piece of her dad with me now, even though. It's very sweet. And I will say, I don't know if if you guys have gotten into this kind of thing on the podcast yet, but I've had a few medium readings. And in one of them, my dad was coming through apparently and referenced the turtle. Um, it was like the the person was saying like there's like a toy there's like a rubber like a a frog or a turtle and I was like a turtle <laughs> like I mean truly like it like wow so what, like how that that person could not have known that right so um but this turtle has been like <laughs> referenced from the other side so um it really was I saw it when she was when she picked me up, I was like, oh, there's the turtle. I was like, do That's you really want wonderful. it? And I was like secretly wow. hoping she didn't want it. And she's like, no, it's <laughs> no. yours. I was like, good. But it feels really special to have kind of a part of something that she had when she was younger that I had. I mean, I've never met her dad. I don't know too much about him. Um, but it's it's really special to me. So I was glad she didn't take it back when she saw it in my car. <laughs> I love that. That's so sweet. And that's so sweet to like carry on his relationship to people close in your life. Um, I know that's something is like thinking about adding close relationships in your life that have never met that person mm-hmm. and how that's a whole layer. And so it's just great to see how this is now becoming something that is making you guys even closer and understand each other more in different ways. And it's just really cool to see like one small, small positive of, like we said, this shitty situation that none of us want to be a part of. And I know it's also very late there, but just thank you for your time and for being so open and for diving into all the many areas of grief and your story. And we just so appreciate it. Thanks y'all. Appreciate you guys. This is great. Okay, so if you guys like normal, you know I'm going to now ask you guys to email me still. Um, I checked today. Google is changing our security settings, and we still have no emails. But um, follow us on Instagram at The Morning Crew. Join our Facebook group. Um, shoot us an email, themorningcrew at gmail.com. Um, and I think that's about it. Until next time. Mm-hmm.